as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. The psalmist here is telling on himself. He's explaining in his own uh, psalm that he penned that he wasn't where he needed to be. He was on the verge of falling. All right? Why? Why was that? Now, you'll understand that before a man falls, something has to happen to him mentally before something happens to him physically. Before you get out of the house of God, before you quit worshiping, before you quit serving, before you quit doing, something's already going on in your mind. You're already questioning some things. You're already struggling with some things mentally before your body quits responding. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, and we understand that, that you move and react because of what is in your heart. And so this psalm here is, is this psalmist is saying, but as for me, he's, he's letting you know God is good. He's good to Israel. He's good to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone and my steps were well and I slipped. Why? Because of his heart. This psalm is, uh, is being written by uh, Asaph who's had a problem with his heart. We see what that problem was in verse 3. He was envious at the foolish when he saw the prosperity of the wicked. Now we've, we've mentioned that he had his eyes on man and not his, eye, not his eyes on the Lord, right? Now we, we were preaching this morning on a, having a Merry, M-A-R-Y, Christmas. And we brought out the fact that Joseph and Mary, who were starting their life together, because of the will of God, their life suddenly changed forever. You understand that when he looked at that olive-complected, brown-eyed girl and said, I think I'll make her my wife, that they neither one knew that God was going to do what he done in their life, right? But God made that decision. And they responded not only physically, but they responded proper, properly out of their heart. Mary didn't just give her body, but you understand the day that we see women all across the land today that give their body to, the, to birth a child, but they're not a mother. They're not a mama. That they give birth, they're a biological mother, but they're not a mama. And uh, we have a famine today in this land for mamas and daddies. But Mary not only served God by giving her body as a sacrifice for him, but she also gave of herself emotionally and out of her heart towards that of this little baby boy named Jesus. And Joseph done what he done out of his heart for that of Jesus. They give of themselves when it costs them something. But this man right here is taking his eyes and he's looked at all of the things that the world has given these people that he's suffering and doing without. Now we, we brought out the fact that there's no doubt that, that everything that, that, uh, that Joseph's seen in his marriage to, to, to Mary, you know, the white picket fence and the two-story house, all that stuff didn't work out like he thought it would. And he had to give him himself in some ways that maybe he didn't think he would. But boy, the, the dividends that it paid, right? I mean, they give their self to God, and because of that, they, they allowed for Jesus to grow up and be the man that God wanted him to be, and then Jesus died. He lived so he, so he could die, and he died that we might live. Do you see how the payback comes back tenfold? And so in this situation, this man's taking his eyes off the Lord, 
and he's talking about here that God is good. He makes that statement firm before he starts this. And then he says, but as for me. So what he's doing is he's letting us know in the beginning of this chapter uh, that although God is good, he had a problem. Then he tells us his mindset. He shows us in these verses following what his problem was. He says, for there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride can pass them about as a change. Wait a minute. I thought that good things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. I thought that bad things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. I thought it, it rained on the just and the unjust alike. Is this a contradiction in God's word? No. This is the Bible this is the Bible showing us what this man was, what, it, what was going on in his mind. This is a revelation of the mind of Asaph. But Asaph, before he gives us this, this, this look into his mind, he clears something up for us from the start. Truly God is good to Israel. He wants to make that known. Now here's what's interesting. You need to look at the book of Ecclesiastes in that light. You need to understand something about the book of Ecclesiastes. It, it is written by Solomon. How do we know that it's written by Solomon? Well, you, I want you to know that the Song of Solomon was penned by Solomon in his youth. All right? Then the book of Proverbs we understand to have been written by Solomon in Solomon's middle years. But Ecclesiastes is a book that is written by Solomon in his old age. Now that's interesting. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 1 and 1, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. And we understand that there is a, a theme in this book and it's vanities of vanity of vanity, so to speak. Now, there's a lot of truth in there being vanity upon this earth. And, uh, and we see vanity everywhere. And I'm not trying to tell you that the Bible is wrong and that uh, the writer here of Ecclesiastes is wrong. That's not at all what I'm telling you. But while we know that there's a lot of things on this earth that is vain, I do want us to understand that we're looking into the eyes of a man who wasn't right with God. That's interesting. A lot of people don't approach this book with that mindset. How do we know that he wasn't right with God? Now, I understand if you will, uh, as we look at Psalm 73 again for just a moment, I, I want to call out something in verse 13. Or verse 12. The psalmist says, Behold, there are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. He says, Verily I have cleansed my heart in what? Vain. This man who's writing this chapter, in, or this, this psalm in, in the, the book of Psalms, Psalm 73, has stated in the beginning that God is good to Israel. He stated in verse 2 that his feet had well nigh slipped, that he, he, had, he had gone astray, he'd messed up because he was envious at the foolish when he saw the prosperity of the wicked. And he gets down here to verse 13, he says, Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain. We're still looking at a man who's wrong with the Lord. Verily I've cleansed my heart in vain. He's saying everything I've ever done in my service to God is in vain. Friend, it's never vanity to serve God. The, 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 the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying 
Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. The world is full of vanities. But when you take your eyes off God, what you begin to do is say that everything I've done for God is in vain. Imagine, if you will, if we'll go back to this morning and think about Joseph when he had to flee into Egypt in the night. I mean, because he had Jesus and Jesus was the problem with Herod, he was having to, to fly under the radar to skirt the issue, to travel not like other people do, but in the night when it was harder to see and, and harder to travel. And uh, the temperature was even different at night. And uh, you understand everybody else was asleep and in the bed and here's Joseph running the, the night watch out here in the middle of the night, slipping around in the dark, trying to get Jesus and Mary to safety. Imagine with, with me, if you will, if he, if he didn't go back and think about that picket fence and that two-story house that he had his hopes set on, uh, rocking on the porch with his little brown-eyed, olive-complected darling. And what happened was that ain't at all what happened. God had different plans. Has God ever shown you that you had some plans that you didn't foresee? God ever uh, uh, allowed anything into your life that you didn't have planned? But we understand that although the plans weren't exactly what he had in mind, he stayed the course, but praise God, he kept a good attitude about it. And his attitude was everything. Mary's attitude was everything. She'd give her body, but she'd give her life. And she'd give her life because she'd given her heart to God. You give your life because you give your heart to God. But we, we, we have a, a problem here in Ecclesiastes. We see a man that's not right with the Lord. How, how do we know that he's not right with the Lord? The Bible said in 1 Kings chapter number 11, in verse number 1, that King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn away your heart after, the gods, uh, after their gods, Solomon, clave unto these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as was the heart of David his father. That's important. I want to call your attention to this that the Lord, the word of God here is contrasting Solomon with David. That doesn't seem like a far-fetched thing considering Solomon was David's son. He was the, the one to reign following David. Except for when we look into the matter of the kings, we find a common theme or a common statement that is made all through the scripture uh, as their father David did. Every king seems like that uh, we look at Israel, the, the ten northern tribes, and we see that they didn't have a king that was good. And the kings of Judah, a lot of them were, were not many of them were good, most were bad. But every time that we look at these kings, we see that the kings didn't do that which was right in the eyes of God, but they didn't do as their father David did. That's going to be important in just a moment, but the Bible said in verse 6, And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. Then did Solomon build a high place, and we see where he begins to fall here. He has given himself to these wives in which he was not supposed to give himself to, they have got him to the place, and listen, I don't care what you say, 
uh, trying to please that many women caused anybody to go crazy. And uh, trying to please that many women got the better of, of Solomon. And Solomon clay, he give in. And when he give in, he give out. And what happened was here, and the Bible said him likewise in verse 8, did he for all his strange wives. Who did he do this for? Why did he do this? Not for God, not for himself, but for his wives. Why? Because he was trying to please a bunch of women that was driving him crazy. The Bible said, and the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice, and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept, the, uh, keep, kept my covenant, and my statutes will I, uh, which I have commanded thee, I will surely, listen now, rend the kingdom from thee, and will give it to thy servant. So, Solomon knows that Solomon has, is going to have the kingdom taken from him because of his sin. The Bible said, Notwithstanding in thy days, I will not do it, but for David thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of thy son. Howbeit I will not rend away all of the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to thy son, for David my servant's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, which I have chosen. Now here's, let me explain to you something. What caused him to do what he done? He's trying to please his wives. Now, the Bible even talks about that in the New Testament. That's why it's important not to be unequally yoked. Because you, if you've got a wife, or, or in, in the opposite spectrum, if you've got a husband as a wife, a woman that has a husband that doesn't follow God, you're going to have a hard time following God yourself. That's just, that's just a common principle. And so that's what took this wise king and wrecked him and ruined him and caused God to bring punishment upon him and on Israel because they followed him and they began to worship the same things that his wives were worshiping. And so can I say what happened in his private life trickled out into his public life and what was going on in private seeped out into the public and the public began to do what he began to do because there was something wrong on the inside. I not mean to go there, but the important thing here is simply that we're going to find that Solomon isn't right with the Lord. David makes a vast mistake with a woman, but he says, cleanse my heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Why did he change? David didn't change so that the punishment wouldn't be there. David changed because he'd hurt God and it hurt him that he'd hurt God. But we're going to find that Solomon does something that's, that's evil. Solomon decides that he is going to kill Jeroboam. Now Rehoboam being Solomon's son, we understand, was to take rule and reign following that of Solomon. He had all 12 tribes, but he lost 10 tribes to that of Jeroboam. But Solomon, having heard from God that God was going to rend this from him through his son, he decides that he's going to take matters into his own hands and go kill Jeroboam. 
Now, all really Solomon had to do, Brother Marvin, was bow down before God and say, I'm sorry, cleanse my heart and re 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 uh, create in me uh, uh, a right spirit. Renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. He could have done what his father David did. Now, all the time we're seeing these kings are being likened unto David. David did make a mistake, but David did also repent. The one thing Solomon didn't do that David did was repent. He wasn't looking for a new heart or, or a clean heart and a new spirit. You understand his spirit was hurt. How do we know that his spirit was hurt? Look what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter number 7. Therefore I hated life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me for all is vanity and vexation of what? Spirit. Essentially this man had a dirty heart. And he died, Brother Marvin, with a dirty heart. He closed his eyes in death with a dirty heart and his spirit was vexed. David couldn't live his life with a vexed spirit. He needed a clean heart and he needed a right spirit renewed in him. Now, what has this got to do with anything? Well, this morning we was, we was telling you that not only... Did, did Joseph and Mary give themselves in body, but they give themselves in heart? They did what they done because they wanted to serve God. And they understood the magnitude of what they were doing. Even though they didn't really understand how God was going to do what God intended to do, they just knew that they were somehow woven into the inner workings of the plan of God. You know what? We just have to know tonight that we're interwoven uh, into the inner workings of the plan of God. And so we understand here that this man in his old age was, a, was old when his wives got to him. Look in 1 Kings 11 uh, and 4. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. It's amazing to me that the writer of Ecclesiastes, being Solomon, wrote this in the latter portion of his life just before he died. And you know who took over the throne right after he died? Rehoboam. There's a lot of things that are transpiring here, but what caught my attention the most was starting in verse number 4 of Ecclesiastes 2. The Bible said, I made me great works, I builded me houses, I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water, to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens, and had servants born in my house. Also I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold, and the peculiar treasure of kings, and of the provinces I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Now I want to pause for just a moment. And what was it that was irking or frustrating or bothering that of the psalmist in Psalm 73? He saw the prosperity of the wicked. He didn't feel like, Brother Marvin, that his lot in life was to have what everyone else had. 
and he walked around frustrated looking at what everyone else had and what he did not have and so it robbed him of his joy. Solomon though is not only the wisest man, he's also the richest. He's got everything that heart could long for or wish for. And what he says here, he says, I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings. In other words, things nobody else could get their hands on. He, he was living in that top tier, if you will, that 1% that had what everybody else didn't. He said, I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I got me singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men and musical instruments and that of, of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Not only did he have the most at this time, he had the most of all time. He said, also my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. In other words, Brother Shane, if he's seen it and he wanted it, he got it. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. This was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. And I turned myself to behold wisdom and, and madness and folly, for what can the man do that cometh after the king, even that which hath been already done? In other words, he's realized, Brother Marvin, he's achieved about all a man can achieve. You know what's causing people to do what they do today, to run around here to and fro frantically like a bunch of nuts? They're trying to achieve all they can achieve. Now, what's interesting is I began to think about this. Do you know what happens when you get all the money that, I mean, when you have all the money and you have all the things that money can buy? You have to move on to something else. You ever notice that people that have all the money that, that heart could wish and all the things that money could buy usually are, are people that are power hungry. People that want to be in power. Why? Because they've already got the money. They're looking for something else. They're looking to be powerful. Solomon is the top 1%, you know, the top tier. He's got everything that money can buy and nothing has he withheld from his heart, but it's not bringing him anything, any joy. He says here in verse 13, Then I saw that wisdom excelleth folly, as far as light excelleth darkness. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walketh in darkness. And I myself perceived also that one event happeneth to them all. Amen right there. You know what he's talking about, don't you? Death. He's talking about dying. Psalms 49 and 10, if I can find it here real quick. The Bible says in Psalms 419, where he seeth that wise men die, likewise the fool and the brutish person perish and leave their wealth to others. Solomon has come to the understanding that he's had everything heart could wish. He's reached that top 1%, but it's all going away. Because one thing he has in common, although he's had everything nobody else had, he's got one problem everybody else has got. He's going to die. And so what's interesting here is the Bible says, the wise man's, uh, verse 15, then said I in my heart, as it happeneth to the fool. Well, there's a problem here. The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked, and we know that the man that's writing this has got a problem with his heart. How do we know that? Because God's not happy with him. 
God's upset so much so with him that he's going to rend Israel from him. And he's given himself to other gods in his old age. So this man's got a problem in his heart. Look what the Bible says. Then said, I in my heart as it happeneth to the fool, so it happeneth even to me. And why was I then more wise than I said in my heart that this also is vanity? Now look right here. For there is no remembrance of the wise more than of the fool forever. Seeing that which now is in the days to come shall all be forgotten, and how dieth the wise man as the fool. Now notice with me, who followed Solomon? Rehoboam. But who was the kingdom rent from? Solomon, but through the hands of, uh, but, but really it happened in Rehoboam's reign. It happened because of Solomon, but it happened in Rehoboam's reign. But who was it that got the rule of the ten northern tribes? Jeroboam. But there was something that was told to Jeroboam that I think you should read in 1 Kings uh, chapter number 11 and verse number um, 38. And it shall be, if thou wilt hearken unto all that I command thee, I will walk in my ways, and will walk in my ways, and do that is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments as David my servant did, that I will be with thee, and build thee a sure house, as I built for David, look here, and will give Israel unto thee. Now, Solomon takes over the kingdom of Israel. Or, excuse me, he takes over Israel, all 12 tribes. And when God gets ready to punish Solomon, he doesn't rend it from Solomon during Solomon's reign because of David. So he rends it from Solomon in the reign of Rehoboam because of Solomon. Rehoboam lost what he lost because of some decisions that he made, but it all come down the way it come down because he was suffering from something that his daddy had done. And a decision that was made by God in the days of Solomon fell out in the days of Rehoboam. But I do want you to understand there's a promise that's been made to Jeroboam. If you'll do like David did, I'll do for you what I did for David. And you understand that it was because of David that all of the tribes didn't go to Jeroboam. Rehoboam only retained that of uh, Judah uh, and Benjamin because of David. See, in all reality, uh, Solomon didn't deserve to have anything left. But it was because David followed God. And David loved the Lord. It was a man after God's own heart that David got to keep, so to speak, part of, uh, of, the, of Israel, the, 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 what we now know as Judah, those, those two southern tribes, simply because God respected what David had done. And essentially it is being promised unto Jeroboam that if you'll do like David did, I'll do for you like I did for David. Now we understand that Jeroboam was wicked. 
And I'm not wanting to preach on that tonight. Jeroboam got caught up in himself rather than God. And he suffered because of it. And so did the people of God. But it doesn't change the fact that there was a promise made. And essentially what we're finding here in the book of Ecclesiastes in verse 16. For there is no remembrance of the wise more than of the fool forever. Seeing that which now is in the days to come shall all be forgotten. How dieth the wise man as the fool. In his heart, what Solomon is saying here, he said it's all a waste of time. It, it, it really and truly, it, there, there's no remembrance. That's not true. There is remembrance. God is remembering when one stays and holds the course for the glory and for the honor of God. But his heart ain't right. Now the Bible says here, in verse 17, therefore I hated life. I reckon so. A man that's had wisdom. God has withheld no blessing, no earthly blessing from this man. Yet he hated life. Why did he hate life? His attitude's not right. Can I say to you that it doesn't matter if you have everything or if you have nothing. Really and truly, we're going to be miserable people if we're not sold out to the will of God for our life and willing to take the lot that we've been handed in life for the glory and for the honor of God and do what Mary and Joseph done and just say, God, we don't know the whole entire way you're going to handle this, but we know what you have entrusted to us and what little part we play in it. We're going to do all we can to give everything we can for the glory and for the honor of God. And because of that, that is why God chose Joseph and why God chose Mary because they were people of character that although they didn't have the white picket fence and the two-story house and although life didn't go the way they thought it would, they took the chips that fell out the way that they did and they done with it all they could do and trusted God and because of that, God used them and blessed them and allowed them to be a part of something that nobody else was a part of. So would you say that it's all vanity and vexation? Not all of it. What you do for God counts for something. And you're not going to find happiness no matter how much you buy or how much you get or, or whether you have everything your heart's ever desired until your heart desires nothing but God. And when your heart desires God and pleasing Him in spite of the circumstances that fall out to you, until you do that, you're going to be miserable. But you do remember Asaph said, until I went into the sanctuary of God, understood I therein. You know what happened at the sanctuary of God, don't you? The presence of God got a hold of Asaph's attention. You know what was hurting the, uh, the, the, song, or the writer of Ecclesiastes, Solomon? You know what was hurting him? He had something between him and God. You know what happens when you get something between you and God? You hate life. You hate life. A man that had all these things that God had blessed, that had been given wisdom, that made some good decisions. That really had everything handed to him. Listen, he had to, he had to build the temple. But his, his, his father, David, supplied him with the things that he needed. I heard an old person say one. I've heard it more than once concerning farms. And you see it. It says it takes one generation uh, to, to buy the farm, one generation to pay for the farm, and one generation to lose it and sell it. And simply put, that's kind of what we're seeing right here. Within three generations, look what's happened to Israel. And, and David was the gold standard. David was the one that every time a king come up, God said, but if you'd have done what your father David had done, the gold standard was David and the next generation dropped the ball because he got a dirty heart. 
And when he got a dirty heart, all the things that would please him didn't please him no more. And he was miserable. See, you know, his lust, the fulfillment of his desires was why he done what he done. And it was Moses that chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. I want you to know something. Your season can run out on this side of eternity. Your life can become a living hell on earth because of the decisions that you make. And essentially here, this man that had everything going for him in the latter portion of his life pins this phrase, therefore I hated life. I don't want to hate life. Life throws some mean curveballs. Life throws some gut punches. Life will hold you down and stomp you and kick you and keep you there. And, and I, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. That's where the devil likes to get you. You know, you know that roaring lion that walketh about seeking whom he may devour? You know what he wants to get you to the place where you say, therefore I hated life. There's a lot of Christians, I'm going to be honest with you, there's a lot of Christians today who have been saved by the grace of God that hate their life. Why? Because they're bitter. They're upset at the lot that's been cast on them. They've allowed their circumstances to gut punch them to the point that they feel like they've been given an unfair shake. I wonder how unfair Joseph felt when he was creeping in the middle of the night doing what nobody else was doing. But he had Jesus. And he, because he obeyed God, we understand Herod didn't get little baby Jesus. And Jesus grew on up and became a carpenter. And this little boy that really wasn't Joseph's learned of Joseph because Joseph loved him and cared for him. And every time Joseph looked at him, he had to look at that little boy and know that ain't my little boy. But he looked at him at the same time and said, that's the son of God. And you know the difference? It's all in how you look at it. And it's all in how we look at it tonight. You can choose to look at your lot in life as how poor and pitiful you are. Or you can look at it and say, oh, the glass is half full and God has blessed me. And I've got air to breathe. And as long as I'm here, I'm going to make the conscious decision to serve God so that God can make a difference in the lives of others through my life. Or you can be like Solomon and have had all the blessings of God handed to you down through life. And listen, we're a blessed people today who's been blessed like no other generation before us. But we got more pooch lips in the church today than any other generation before us today, friend. What am I saying? I'm saying, friend, we ought to put the lip back in our mouth, put the smile on our face, and say, thank God I've got Jesus with me. Or you can be like Solomon, and you can go ahead and live your last days, the end of your life, defeated, and broken and beaten. This man said, therefore I hated life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me for all his vanity and vexation of spirit. Yeah, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun because I should leave it under the man that should be after me. He just told on himself. We don't look at this scripture, I don't believe in the light of how it really is, is portrayed. What was he going to leave to the man that followed him? He wasn't going to leave the kingdom to Rehoboam. He was going to lose it all to Jeroboam, and he knew it. 
and he hated. He hated his life because of what he had done. Why did he never stop? Why did he not say, just like his daddy had said, I have sinned against God. My heart is dirty, creating me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Instead, he lived his life, he died, and he hated his life. If I could be honest with you, I'd have to tell you that there's been some times in my Christian life, Brother Marvin, where I was a little bit like him in the fact that, you know, I, I looked at my circumstances and really didn't appreciate them for what they were. It's hard sometimes to look at your circumstances and appreciate them for what they are, but really we don't realize what God's doing through our circumstances. What was God doing through these peculiar circumstances that only Joseph and Mary were going through? Could it be that God looked at Satan and said, have you considered my servant Marvin? Have you considered my servant Shane? Have you considered my, my servant uh, Ray Weekly? Wonder, wonder if God has said that. What is God trying to do? It's for certain that there was hardships. It's for certain that, that, that Joseph's life, as he's foreseen, it did not pan out the way he thought it would. But it's also for certain God took them two little people that loved him and done something through their lives that only God could do. And I thank God for it today. I would say this, while I want to put Christ back in Christmas in 2021, let's not miss the part of Mary and Joseph in this story. Let's not miss what God done through two individuals that were willing not only to give themselves physically, but to give themselves with the right attitude. Given ourselves physically with the wrong attitude, God's not going to use that. God's looking for us to love him and do what we do out of our heart. And I want to say something to you, and I'm done tonight. It don't matter how much you have or how much you don't have. It will not bring you what you're seeking. And if you gained it all and you wasn't right with God, you would hate your life. And if you had nothing at all, and you were not right with God, you would hate your life. But if you had it all, and you were right with God, you would love your life. But I, I like this, if you didn't have anything at all, and you were right with God, you could love your life. Now, if you hate your life tonight, it really don't matter what the circumstances are. You need to get on the altar and you need to ask God to renew a right spirit within you because there's something wrong in your heart. Could, it could be that you, you are, are in rebellion. It could be that this has slipped up on you and you didn't even mean for it to happen. But you just found yourself out with God and you hate your life. You need to love your life again. And only God can do that for you. As the pianist comes tonight, let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I feel like I'm done right there. It's going to stop. What's God doing in your life? Can God use your life? Are you allowed him to? Are you bitter? Are you mad? Do you hate life? Do you hate living?
Could there be something in your life tonight that's not right with 